One of the things that this really caused me to think about was what kind of investor do I want to be? And I, I realized that for me right now, I think this isn't where I'm comfortable, right? That I'm much more comfortable thinking about what is the valuation of a company? What is its actual potential to create a product that may actually sell and make a profit? And that sort of feels really naive and innocent in a way. And maybe it is because there's so much other crap that goes on in the background that has nothing to do with the actual value of a company. But for me as a newbie investor, it's easier for me to wrap my head around that than it is to try to understand or to kind of game this system that moves so fast that I don't have the bandwidth to kind of stay on it. You know, I I, like the bandwidth to wake up at 4am every day. I was actually thinking when you said that, I was like, how did she do that? (laughs) Welcome to Women Take Stock and whoa, what a week this was. So we're going to try to get a little bit of handle on this whole GameStop Reddit thing that happened. I think we need to call it GameStop Gate. Oh my God. Yes. So GameStop Gate. (laughs) I can't even say that. It's like a tongue twister. But anyway, whatever we're going to call it, I think what's really important for us is to understand what happened and also really understand what that means for us as new investors who are just trying to get a handle on all of this investing stuff and and what it means for us as women investors. So yeah, let's uh let's start the show. Let's start the show. Ooh, 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 ooh. I think you need some music that's a little bit more uh, apocalyptic. I was trying to make it more like I was trying to make it more futuristic, like crypto. Okay. Okay. Cartoonish. Okay, ready? Like We are four friends all at different places in our financial and personal lives looking to pull back the curtain on the seemingly mysterious, often testosterone-driven world of stock investing. And if four women without business degrees can figure out the market as a side hustle, so can you. Join us as we learn the basics, buy, sell, scratch our heads, hold our breath, commiserate, and celebrate, hopefully more of the latter. We aren't experts, so please note that this podcast is for general information purposes only. Yeah, anything resembling financial advice is purely coincidental. That said, we are hoping to make a little or a lot of money doing this. And if money is power, we want some of that too. Uh, JJ here, and I would like to hear from Dana because I know she's mentioned being on Wall Street Bets on Reddit. Like, can I just credit where credit is due way before this week? Yes. And for the for listeners that don't know, Wall Street Bets is the community on Reddit that launched the whole GameStop gate, right? Can we trademark that? I know. Hashtag GameStop gate. So yes, I've been on Wall Street Bets and a bunch of different Wall Street and stock market and Robinhood threads on Reddit. Back in the summer, I started following all of these in my learning process, in my research process. And it's it's pretty shocking. Definitely a lot of interesting lingo being used there. And I actually popped off. I left some of those threads because the way that they all speak to each other in this really shorthand kind of insulting, like all boys club. Bro. Yeah, lingo. Um, 
Um, yeah. But then, you know, I got back on because the shorthand doesn't really mean that much. But you know, it's funny, wait, as you're saying this about this weird subculture, that's this like testosterone driven, you know, I, I kind of imagine these like early 20 something guys in dark rooms with lots of pimples. Like that's the new golf. Totally. They're calling each other. Like, for example, when they make a bad move or they're harshing on each other, they call each other autists, short for oh autistic, which is obviously ridiculously not PC. And But that's their shorthand way of saying you made a bad move or you're being too neurotic or too OCD about your trades. So there's a little bit of an offhanded compliment in your being overly skilled but they also use it in a as an insulting term. So, you know, a lot of that conversation, they talk a lot about and and when they make a lot of money getting, you know, getting extra Coke and ho- hookers, it's like the wolf of Wall Street. So, so when, when I got over myself and I got back onto Wall Street Bets and started following it, um, you know, I wasn't really surprised. <laughs> That's where I met my new boyfriend. Just kidding. He's in the other room on his computer. And he's 22. <laughs> You know, while we're talking about them so in depth, I want to give them props, though, because I actually was on Wall Street Bets yesterday and some other versions of Wall Street Bets, and people have made money in the market since this week. There was a guy, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing his handle, it's a guy living in his car. And no, seriously, he's been posting all along, and he made, you know, over 100k or something, or this is what he's professed, that he's made over 100k, and he now can go get an apartment. And he had actually been living in his car. Some other guys or girls were posting that they went and bought like a bunch of families groceries from their local grocery store, or they donated some of the money they made, because they're, they're sort of circling this back to uh, being the little guy and being the the little guy who's being squeezed and since COVID uh, losing out mm-hmm. basically to the one percenters. So there's definitely this backlash. And, you know, I don't think this GameStop gate was necessarily just like a random occurrence. Uh, I think it's, it was targeted to the 1% and the hedge funders since COVID started. I think that there's a lot of awareness and anger toward these big businesses who accepted these small business loans meant for, yeah, right. Mom and pop shops and small businesses, how all that came out. It's just, you know, and a lot of them said, Oh, we're not going to accept it, but a lot of them actually went right. back and did yes. accept it um, at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So here's, you know, the little guys, the Robin Hood investors kind of suffering while the 1% is benefiting during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what they, that was their goal and their message in this, um, this communication and this, in this uprising basically. So Dana, how did this community go about executing their their mission? That's a great question. So they basically banded together and on Wall Street Bets and some other threads started telling everyone to buy GameStop stock, buy and hold, buy and hold. And in fact, mm-hmm. one of the threads hit its 100,000 comment mark and could no, there were no <laughs> communications that could be exchanged after that. So they opened other threads and they just mm-hmm. kept saying, buy GameStop and hold. And the purpose of doing that was because GameStop is, for those of you who don't know, GameStop is uh, like a brick and mortar 
Um, yeah, like an eighties throwback. <laughs> exactly. Right. You used to go and buy uh, video games on CD-ROMs and then you could use them and go back and trade them in and get yeah. credit for them and buy new games. You can buy, still buy consoles there and, and merch and things like that, but it's mm-hmm. really a dying sort of like the radio shack of the tech head industry because everything's yeah. online now. So GameStop stock is, has been way, way, way down and all the hedge funders are shorting that stock, basically betting with, I believe, options and calls and things like that, that it's going to go down. And they were planning to make billions of dollars on that decrease, that decline. So the Robin Hooders and Wall Street bets drove up the price of the stock. And effectively, all the hedge funds lost billions of dollars. And they're continuing to lose billions of dollars over potentially this week and the coming weeks. I mean, it's pretty incredible. It's like the democratization of this this hedge fund betting that goes on at this high level that very few people can get into. And yet all of a sudden it's like the union right. got together. Right. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. But individual investors, retail investors, they're totally at the mercy of the tools available to us. And the fact that the stock itself wasn't halted, but Robinhood wasn't <sighs> allowing people to trade it. And that was a, that was a huge step and other platforms as well. I'm going to chime in about that because it does look like they are the bad guys and they are protecting the hedge funds. And I, you know, I could be wrong about this, but after doing some more research, I realized that the way that Robinhood and other platforms are set up and other brokers are set up is that when you, you know, buy and sell a stock on Robinhood, you're not buying and selling it directly from them. There's all these like different middlemen and um, clearing houses and Robinhood effectively halted the stock. I'm not saying they weren't protecting the hedge funders on some level, but they're putting out there now that they halted the stock because all of these calls were coming in for sales and they were going to actually not have enough capital to fulfill these sell orders. So they were really- This really disturbs me so much because I was, I'm glad this happened and opened up this problem and made it really just totally blatant because- Mm. When, when we talk about, like, say, our cryptocurrency holdings, which we know we should hold in a wallet and not on Robinhood, but I've been purchasing it on Robinhood because that was sort of an easy entry into understanding what this was. And now I have a couple of thousand dollars in Bitcoin on Robinhood, which means that I don't actually own that currency, right? But if Bitcoin suddenly hits, say, I don't know, $75,000 and I want to sell and everybody else wants to sell, is the same thing going to happen? Am I going to Well, be that's stuck? a really good question. I don't know the answer, but because of my fear based on what you're saying, I sold off all of my Bitcoin and all my Ethereum yesterday when they hit their highest that they've been in the past few weeks because I want Coinbase go. also crashed. I mean, yeah. if all of these platforms aren't actually able to handle these huge the volume, it, it's really terrifying to think we're putting all this money in and it's not just investing and like looking at what stocks are going up and trying to game it or not even game it, trying to understand it and research and do the right thing in terms of our investment. It's also like, can the platforms that we're using actually handle what we're doing? It's terrifying to think about. It's really scary, right? You're very, you're very vulnerable at that point. You're at the mercy of them. And I think Dana, to what you were saying, that there were reasons that Robin Hood was not letting people trade it. And that was about kind of regulations of what they have to do with capital and how they have to, how that whole system works on the back end, which is not so transparent to us. And self-regulation. 
sorry, just to interrupt you, self-preservation for their business. Yes, exactly. Right. However, right. however, I think it does mean that the government has to look at what the responsibility is for an organization like, well, like any yeah, that's trading platform. Yeah, that's because if you can't handle it and I've got my money in there and I make a decision and I can't execute it, even though I've been sold that service as being able to execute. Totally. And mm-hmm. other people are out there. I mean, the professionals, they were still out there buying and selling, mostly selling GameStop, right? Right. And so so basically it's so specific to certain people, retail customers. And in a way, I, I think it was a wake-up call for me too that mm. the services like relying on them, mm. it does expose you in a way. And it yeah. probably we probably need as a society to think about, and I know it's always bad when somebody starts to say as a society, but <laughs> but the fact that you know somebody can turn on and off that spigot of how you access what is essentially your money is pretty scary. Yes, but you especially know, the banks when it do, do that too. You, the banks do that too right now. Which is yeah. all the more reason in this uh, kind of new world order and our new world of investing, uh, which there's no turning back from, that we want to turn to crypto. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, crypto, yes, this is sort of like underscoring this idea that we need a decentralized, we don't want a centralized authority controlling us. But Crypto is also so new and requires the buy-in of everybody right. to well, really and you're meet still its potential. Like if I wasn't able to trade on Coinbase, it's the same problem, right? So yes, I may have a crypto in a wallet, but, but even, if I you know, can't access it. What does that mean, actually? You know, and I'm stepping back looking at it like, oh, I'm going to move everything to Coinbase so I can feel the security of having that digital wallet. And then I just sort of sat there and I was like, well... What is that security? Does that even mean anything? right? If 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 when I went on Coinbase the other day and I literally couldn't access it for like quite a few minutes, yeah, wallet like, or no wallet, you know, and that's right. That. So these are some pretty heady, difficult questions. I think that we're going to have to grapple with. So I, I was talking to my financial advisor who helps with my retirement and whatever, and I asked him about what he thought about this whole GameStop. I can't even pronounce it. It's such a tongue twister. GameStop Game Gate. <laughs> And I thought it was really interesting because he said that at the end of the day, he thinks it could actually be a really good thing because we need this shakeup and we need to be able, we didn't, he didn't elaborate on, but he thought it wasn't necessarily bad, but it's bumpy right now, but we need to wake up to these problems, right? And I don't think it's going away. It's not not going to go away. And if this is the new way, if retail trading is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, which it is the places like Robin Hood and, um, what's it called again? Ebull or something. Oh, Ebull. Yeah. Ebull. And I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. Robin is not the only one. E-Trade, whatever. If more and more people are doing this, then, then basically the government and the regulators have to wake up and try to do what they're supposed to do, which is protect their citizens, right? I don't know. Protect. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that I, so I got on the Wall Street Bets thread as well, Dana, way after you did. And I was listening to all the chatter about AMC stock also. Uh, so it yeah, was like yeah. GameStop and AMC. So I bought some AMC stock or I, no, actually I put in an order for the next morning. Cause I was like, Ooh, it's going to go up tomorrow. I'm going to put in this order. Yeah. To and, admit that I stayed, I got up about two hours early 
I think it was Friday, <laughs> Thursday morning, uh, uh-huh. making a whole plan about what I was going to do now to sort of jump on this, this now AMC gate, planning on selling some of my crypto, buying into AMC and, you know, just holding, holding, holding and making a ton of cash. But then yeah. what I saw what you... But so what did you see when you decided not to do that because I got up a little late. No, you know what I, well, what I saw was I was watching the stock move, not really above, it was going up and down between like 16 and 21 all. Uh And it wasn't actually moving that much in pre-market because it's not a 24 hour traded stock. Can you real quickly explain what pre-market is? Pre-market is 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Some platforms like Robinhood allow you to make pre-market buys, but others like E-Trade, you cannot do a pre-market buy before 9.30 a.m. Maybe brokers can allow you to do some some pre-market buys as well, but I'm not entirely sure about that. That being said, AMC, for example, is a stock that you cannot trade at like 12 o'clock at night like you can crypto. So in any case, I was up early watching AMC because they do make some minor shifts and making this big plan. And then at 9am, I went on to Robinhood and was ready to like sell all this Bitcoin, buy all of this uh, AMC. And there was a uh, a little notification at the bottom of my screen saying Robinhood is, does not support this security. I was right. like, Thanks, sucker. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> I put in a limit order that night before to execute and it went through. Oh, it did. So I, yes. So I ended up with some AMC stock. And, and now you're a millionaire. No, no. it didn't move. No, I'm not. <laughs> they because, they, because they blocked Nobody it and no it. one was buying it. Yeah. And so the price wasn't going. And it's I'm sure I wasn't there. the only one. And I yeah. this was, we're talking like a couple hundred dollars, which I, so. Well, and on Reddit, they were saying, hold AMC until you know, 250 and I'm calculating, uh, you know, oh my God, if it's at 20 right now, it goes 250. You know, how much money could, I mean, I was ready to put like 20K into that. Yeah. And so what Robinhood did, Robinhood's inability to foresee Mm -hmm. that something like this could happen and deal with it cost so many people money. And I I know that they're on the news. Also the little guys money, right? The little guys, right. Like people made a lot of money on GameStop, but I want to hear from the people who lost a ton of money on AMC. I haven't. Well, and I think, I think what you're saying, it costs people money. I mean, you kind of don't know because you don't, it's not, it's not completely certain what would happen to the stock, but it's almost that as an investor, you were not able to act on, you couldn't do what you wanted with your money. Yeah, illegal. I'm, I'm going to chime in there. Probably not a lot of people lost a lot of money because the AMC stock didn't really move. At one point, it did go down to about $8, I believe, maybe even $7. But if I'm not mistaken, it really sort of stuck in around the $15 range. So so I sold it on Friday and made $15 because I <laughs> was so scared of like, I didn't see the meteoric rise that I wanted to. And I just was like, I'm... I'm t- but too old for this shit. And so I got for for me, I think one of the things that this really caused me to think about was what kind of investor do I want to be? And right. I I realized that for me right now, I think this isn't where I'm comfortable, right? That I'm much more comfortable thinking about 
what is the valuation of a company? What is its actual potential to create a product that may actually sell and make a profit? And I realize that that sort of feels really like naive and innocent in a way. And maybe it is because there's so much other crap that goes on in the background that has nothing to do with the actual value of a company. But for me, as an in, as a newbie investor, it's easier for me to wrap my head around that than it is to try to understand or to kind of game mm. this system that moves so fast that I don't have the bandwidth to kind of stay on it. You know, right. I, you I, I like the bandwidth I'm, to wake up four a.m. every day. I was actually yeah, thinking, yeah. Dana, when you said that, I was like, how did she do that? I know. Well, it's funny because it gave me, it gave me a window into what being a day trader really is and that it can be and is for many a full-time job. And even day trading till it ends at five, right? Like it's like, if you're day trading conventional stocks that work in the market hours, it's limited. Well, you're talking about, you're talking about crypto doing that thing with crypto, but but when we go back to the traditional stocks, like even that was super stressful for me. And it made me realize also that I don't have, I don't know that I have the psychological stamina to do that. I have to say, I think I do have the psychological stamina. Yeah, yeah. I got, you know. You, you look so animated. It's kind of funny. You're I like, so I've got this. <laughs> it, it was really exciting for me. And, it, and I didn't even have any money actually invested in either of those. I just really got a charge out of it. That's why it was exciting for me. <laughs> Well, I mean, back to my Kodak moment, and it's a similar, like, weird fluctuation in the market just because somebody does something that has nothing to do with the corporate movement or corporate Mm -hmm. uh, financial. uh, This is where we come back to let's just give our money to Dana Taylor for us. But, you know, um, Jen, I like what you said about day trading is within particular, within certain hours of the day. There's something that's uh, exciting about that finite aspect, whereas kind of any other job, you're just constantly working. Right. Like every other job that I've, my work bleeds and there is no beginning and end of my work day. And so I, I always kind of felt very envious of people who had these days that were very defined. And if you're a day trader or a broker, whatever, your day is defined. Yeah, by those to a hours. certain extent, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm going to um, just riff back off of what you're saying about how this made you question what kind of investor you are. And there's a piece there too. I'm definitely not going to run off and be a day trader, even though there's something slightly exciting about that. But it does, it has made me step back. Like I told you, I sold out mostly out of my Robinhood holdings for now. And I'm not rushing to get back in. I think I need to spend a little time thinking about this and decide what kind of trader do I want to be or what kind of investor do I want to be? Do I want to be checking Robinhood every single day? Do I want to be checking E-Trade every single day? Maybe yes, yeah. maybe no, but not with this level of neur- neuroses that I've been experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> stepping back a little bit, I think, is is my next step. What about you? Like maybe when my kids are in college, right. and I have more time or something. Like I just, it's just totally mind boggling to me how anyone could have the amount of time to just sit there on these Reddit threads and follow it all. Like, yeah, I mean, when you think up? the payoff is going to be hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for you, it's understandable, right? Right. Yeah. It's yes, not a bad it's- hourly wage. What about about your, uh, did you feel like you were questioning your investing style? Well, yeah. I mean, I have to say it was an exciting week to watch things. And I've never really um, wanted to trade on sentiment. I'm much more, I'm much more like, let me look at the fundamentals. Let me do a little study guide. Let me, you know, think about what I think is happening in the news and in real life. Um, 
but I, I've told y'all not on this, but sometimes I feel like I'm a cooler where the minute I like something, <laughs> it goes down. So I'm, and I started to feel quite blah about that. So we'll, in a future podcast, we'll have to talk about. Or maybe you should start your losers Wall Street not bets. <laughs> yes, don't do what Jay did. Exactly. Right. It's like George Costanza the day he did everything the opposite, yeah. and he was like, <laughs> "I figured it out." And his whole life, yeah, went went up. <laughs> yeah. So um, at some point, we'll have to have a podcast where we talk about losing and what it means and that mindset. Yes. But um, so actually, yeah, I think probably a big takeaway, long-term takeaway for me is to think about what kind of time frame and what is my, as Jen is saying, what, what is my access? How often do I want to be on top of this? Um, and yeah. also um, thinking about if you really want to make money on these moves, you need to have a lot of shares mm-hmm. so that just the math works in your favor. So you're not necessarily looking for a GameStop that goes from what 17 to 300 400 yeah, but more you have a lot of shares so if something goes up $5 suddenly you're laughing yeah i will say though that i got a, a weird thrill out of making $100 on dogecoin and even though it was a small amount of money it felt like I wanted something like I could tick the box. It's kind of like said, winning a monopoly game. It is. It's <laughs> like I could tick the box that said profit. And it was sort of like, I, I use the analogy of going to the mall shopping for two hours and not having anything to show for it. And so then you buy the lipsticks. You're like, look what I got for my two hours worth of shopping. <laughs> but it felt psychologically important for me to make even a small profit. But you're right, JJ, if we're talking about life-changing amounts of money, you got to spend money to, to be, make money, people. Exactly. Right. We go back to the old adage. Mm-hmm. You got to spend money to make money. Or you got to have to take to... risks. More on that next time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, well, I hope that you guys have fruitful weeks that aren't maybe so totally crazy, Volatile. stressful and roller coaster, except for, for Dana, because she gets off on it. So for you, Dana, I hope you have a very exciting <laughs> roller coaster week. But for the other ones, I hope it's kind of calm and we just see a nice slow victory up and are making good decisions. So have a great week, everybody. Check back guys too. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Yeah. So be sure to connect with Women Take Stock on our website, WomenTakeStock.com, on our Twitter, WomenTakeStock, on our Instagram, Women.Take.Stock. And don't forget to review us and uh, leave a comment. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And we're out.